1: And welcome to this Friday edition of the Work-Life Balance. We're so excited to have you guys along. I'm, I'm excited to be back on the air. I, uh, I was out uh, last week um, as I went coast to coast. We were in Buffalo, New York, and then went out to LIM, where I ran into many of you that uh, that at least say you listen to the show, so that was awesome to, uh, to see you guys. Um, LIM is Leadership Institute Meeting. It's part of the Project Management Institute. Um, I got a chance to to hang out with great friends from around the world, um, as well as just, you know, learn tremendous. Uh, one of the cool things at that event is they had John Dorenbos there. If you guys don't know uh, who he is, uh, he's the Philadelphia Eagles long snapper who also did, uh, does magic and was a runner up on America's Got Talent, uh, I think two years ago now. Phenomenal story. Great speech. And so after Lim, I actually came home for a day and then was in Orlando. So I did ma- make an announcement. Uh, on the show a few weeks back. But if you missed it, I'm actually an executive producer. There's, there's three of us that are executive producers um, of the official Mickey Mouse club 30 year reunion. And uh, so we were out there doing logistics and, and, you know, checking out all the venues and we are pumped. We already have an incredible turnout for our VIP tickets. And most of these fans uh, bought these tickets, you know, prior to knowing who's coming or really what the agenda is, they just want to be there. And so to be part of that passionate fan base, uh, is really really cool, and so uh, we were out there for three days. Got back last night, and then uh, had the opportunity to uh, work with a friend of mine here who was hosting Live to Lead uh, in Birmingham. And so I've i pitched Live to Lead. Uh, there's there's going to be tons of opportunities uh, for replays. So if you don't have you know didn't have the opportunity to catch it today, or you're hearing this on the podcast and you don't know what Live to Lead is. Um, look in your area for rebroadcast. But essentially, it's a live event that happens in Atlanta. And then it was being simulcasted to, I believe it was 350 locations in 40 different countries today. So uh, it's John C. Maxwell. It's his event. He had Tyler Perry with him. He had Carly Fiorina, which is the the first female ever to uh, run a, a Fortune 50 company. Um, He had Deborah Surley, uh, who is a a young lady who who rode herself, she rode herself, not rode R-O-D-E, but rode R-O-W-E-D across the Atlantic Ocean, took her 111 days, and uh, she went through a hurricane, um, all kinds of stuff. As a matter of fact, they just sold, she just finished selling the rights to her story to Hollywood, so it's going to be one of these movies that comes out you know in a couple of years but she was incredible as well. And then Dan Pink um who hopefully a lot of you know, you know who he is um he was really interesting to watch just because he had uh, he's so analytical and he, he's so into science and a lot of times and again I'm just take this for for what it is. I'm not saying that people are analytical or scientific but generally there's so much about the data that they kind of forget to entertain on stage and, in Uh, He did a phenomenal job of setting it up. So what we're going to do today is I'm just going to riff through some of my takeaways uh, from Live to Lead today. So uh, we're going to have a little fun with it, um, and and we'll just jump right in. Um, John started off, uh, we've talked about his book, Leader Shifts, which is coming out now in February of next year. So this was a prelude to the book. He taught from it. and uh, really, what, he, what, what he's talking about and, and what's happening with, with this book is he realized um, he was contracted to write, uh, de- uh, rewrite Developing the Leader Within You. And uh, he was supposed to only change 15% of the book, right? Just update it, and, and they were going to re-release it. I believe it was a 25-year anniversary of the book. Um, he ended up rewriting 85% of it, and it was Developing the Leader Within You. They, they ended up calling it 2.0. But the the premise is that, you know, leadership, the, the game changes on leadership and business every day. And so you can't get stuck into what you were doing or how you were doing it or any of those things um, with, without being able to shift. You're not going to be successful if you're not shifting with the market, shifting how you lead, um, shifting to the conditions. and And really what he's talking about, is, is a lot of people that you'll meet that, that are very, very successful. So, if you meet, you know, Tyler Perry, meet anybody who is just killing it, th- there's a, a shift that they make where they go from goals to growth. Now, I've done a lot on this show about, you know, me, what I feel about goals, right? Um, so, if we, if we marry this with, with Positive Intelligence by Sherzard uh, uh, Charmaine, a lot of people will say, you know i I'll, I'll be happy when i get to this house i'll be happy when i buy this car i'll be happy you know when this occurs and and then it does occur and, and you are you're happy for like you know an hour a day maybe a week but after that you're 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 back to now what and right so we're we're not saying that goals are bad it's just that you can't attach happiness and feelings to goals um but there's a there's a shift that happens to you when you start to realize that goals aren't what you're really going after, what you're going after, is growth. So what happens is, is you 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 don't fall, you you basically fall in love with the process of growth. That's essentially what happens. Is once you really start to go through um, a, a leadership journey, a personal development journey, you get a coach, you do any of that kind of stuff, there is a significant amount of growth that occurs. That it becomes more about the growth that you're getting versus what it is that you're doing to attain a goal. And it's a, it, it's a shift. It's happened in some of the the, the best people that I know and, and look up to. Um, and it, and it's something that I'm experiencing over the last really two to three years. Um, I don't, I don't set goals. I set daily agendas and those daily agendas is what's pushing my growth. And and so it's just a different way of looking um, at, at things. Um, and, and the point of that is right. Why do we shift? Why do we care? Why do we, why do we need to change? In in there's a great quote from Babe Ruth that says, "Yesterday's home run isn't going to win the game today." Right. So you can't you can't go, "Wow, that was a great project," or "Wow, we're successful with that," and then hang your hat up and say, "Yep, we're we're done. That's good. We're done." And I I think I'm going to jump into a second here because the when Tyler Perry was on stage, it was it was a uh, just a, a Q&A session with with John. They were just talking back and forth. Um, But Tyler Perry was talking about a a point in his life where he was successful. He had done, you know, he met Oprah. He'd done all this stuff. And all of a sudden, you know, he was starting to think about, not think about, but, you know, he's kind of like, I'm here. Like, I've arrived, essentially. But the point is, is that's actually the point where you can move, truly into significance that's when you start saying well i'm not doing this anymore now for me i'm doing this for the people and and what was so interesting is he he actually said you know first of all don't don't despise small beginnings right but but as you as you grow in he essentially was saying you know i compete with myself um and and who cares what anyone else is doing, right? So, I, I'm i always looking at myself and competing with myself to make myself better, but I'm not really looking side to side at what everybody is. But but they really started to riff on this whole thing about, you know, once you've made it. And they said the impact after you've made it is the greatest impact that you'll do because what essentially happens is… is you know, Tyler Perry had ended up buying the, you know, that Ford out in Georgia. He had 29,000 people working for him. And he realized, and it was a beautiful saying, is that those people's destinies, right? The, the new people that were just starting for him, they were just getting their break in show business, All their destinies were tied to his growth and success because he recognized that he wasn't doing this just so that he can continue to make it. He was doing this because now there's 29,000 people's lives and families that rely on Tyler still being Tyler. And that's that shift from, well, my goal is to you know, make another hit movie or my goal is to you know, do another television series to, I, I want to continue to grow and be successful so that these people can continue to grow and be successful and since i 'm talking about Tyler and not to jump around too much like my brain normally does, his saying um, uh, up there at his studios that's it, it says that even dreams believe and, and what he 's talking about there is that you know when he 's tired or he 's not doing things right or whatever, your dream begins to believe for you, and whether you 're a person of faith or not what he what he says is God continues to put gifts that that you need in front of you um, so that you can continue to dream and, and hit your success. And in doing so, right, people's lives and destinies uh, now become tied to, to him. And so so think about that um, from a gift perspective. You know, um, I married that immediately to Dr. Rome, who, who said something to me. Uh, made tremendous impact, which was life is going to keep giving you the same lessons over and over. They're going to keep, and, and the lesson is pass or fail. And if you fail it, um, you're going to run into it again. So think of, well, yeah, I don't know why I keep doing that. Or I've, I always get to this certain point in my career. And then, you know, I lose my passion or whatever that is. But when you start to notice a repeating pattern, life is presenting you the same challenge over and over until you learn how to move on to grow past. And so if you take that, um, that whole portion with, you know, what he was talking about, um, in terms of, of, uh, being tired and that kind of stuff and God giving you, uh, dreams to, to keep you going, I think, um, that was just, it was just a beautiful connection uh, to me. It was very, very impactful. Um, and, you know, one other thing that, that Tyler said that I just thought was beautiful, he was talking about his his four-year-old and what he gives uh, to his children. And he said, you know, if you don't give uh, something to your children, right, then your children will will follow or, or go to something else. Um, and I just, I thought that was pretty uh, profound. Um but anyway, so this is what we're going to be riffing on today. We're going to be talking a, a, a few more things of what, what John said, and then I'm going to recap uh, some of the learnings that I got from Carly Fiorina uh, and Dan Pink, who uh, that'll do in the third segment because that's that was just incredible. He was incredible. So we're going to take our first break right here. You're listening to The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris.
0: Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today.
1: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
0: You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance.
1: And we're back on this Friday afternoon. Uh we're recapping kind of my takeaways from Live to Lead, which was an incredible event. Um, and so I just I there's so much to say, I think, on the show. I just want to jump right back into it. So one of my favorite quotes um that, that John has given given us over time, and I, I think I'm up to seven hundred and forty nine favorite quotes, just to be honest. But um one that certainly sticks out in in my mind and, and I've shared it with friends, is that you know, um once you've tasted significance, then success will never satisfy. And um, he, he actually dove into that a little bit more. Uh, it was just one of the notes that I wrote down. He says, you know, success is really defined by what I do for me. And so if you think about that, success is really defined by your own level of, of enjoyment for what you're doing, and, and, and it's the quest for you it's it, it's the quest to get up to that job to do that thing to to produce that you know to write the book to produce the movie to sing the song that's that's the chase of success and so success is truly defined by you know what it is that you're doing for yourself significance is what you do for others so now that you've attained success you get into the leadership of significance because you start realizing, uh, and we talked about it several times, the me to we, right? The I to we. Um, it, you cannot accomplish anything significant by yourself. You can be successful by yourself, but you can't achieve significance by yourself. You you have to have a team of people, people you rely on, Um now it doesn't mean you have to have a 40 person company. It just means you need to have an inner circle that's willing to go the significance route with you. And when you find those people and in, you know, one of my dear friends, John Stenbeck is one of those people. Um, you just make each other better by being in each other's presence, right? We don't even have to say anything. We just, we push each other by being in, in each other's presence. Um, to me that's significance and, and we're, we're, we're both in a stage in our careers that we're we're trying to define legacy, not, you know, what success really means. And so Carly Fiorina took this, you know, a little bit further um, in her speech. And they did a really good job this year, kind of connecting everybody on a flow versus just, you know, here's a speaker, here's a speaker, here's a speaker. There was a definitive flow and people were building on each other's ideas and as a, a professional speaker myself, I take take note to that. You, you step back and look at that and say, okay, that's cool. And so they were actually referring to each other um, in the speeches, which which I thought was incredible. So Carly Fiorina starts talking about um, really leadership, management, change, those types of things. Uh, and one of the first things that that I thought was pretty significant that she said was, um you know, when people are comparing themselves to others, you know, I'm, you know, why did that person get the promotion? Why don't I have that job? Why don't I have that salary? Those types of things. She has simple counsel for them, which is you're not meant to be anyone else. You're just meant to be you. So you can't do anything like somebody else because you're not meant to be somebody else or anyone else or something else. You're meant to be you. And so, what you are is is right what what you are when you 're born is god 's gift to you that 's that 's that 's the the specific skill set that that 's been blessed to you and whether the universe God, whatever it is that you want to put in there, but what you become what you do with that gift is your gift back and, and so it 's either your gift back to God, your gift back to the universe, whatever you believe, but the point being is everybody on this planet has a unique skill set and whether they develop it or not that's you know the beauty of free will but at the same time whatever you become with that gift is is your gift back and she she walked through her career and 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 I started thinking back in in my career um But if you don't know the story of Carly Fiorina, I'm not not going to retell her story, but the significant part, and it's a part that she actually kind of downplays, but she went from secretary to president at at Hewlett-Packard at HP. Um, But there was a significant event where two gentlemen had approached her and saw the potential in her, saw the opportunity in her, and said, you know, you're destined for greater things, come along with us. And they taught her a lot about business, and she moved up the chain from there. What what she relates to that is that, you know, someone took a chance on her and it it changed her life forever and helped her reach the potential that that she's going for. So who have you taken a a chance on? Who are you taking a chance on and and hitching your wagon to and and into helping others uh, reach a higher potential than they may not without you? Um, and so that's that true servant leadership. I thought that was a beautiful uh, statement and uh, really got me thinking because there were a few people in my career that I felt like they really just out there took, took a chance on me. One of them probably doesn't even know what I'm doing, but the gentleman whose name was was Rick Green. He was at uh, IBM and I was a recruiter for Aerotech and he's the first one that said, you know, you need to be a project manager and, and I'm going to hire you for a project manager role. And, uh, took a chance on me. Um, I think Dan Bailey is, is another one of those people in my career. Um, uh, and another guy by the name of David Yother. Um, when, um, when AmSouth Bank, uh, was getting a contract, they had this position of, uh, GE was getting contracted AmSouth Bank. They had this position called engineer in charge. They went to David Yother and said, who do you think should fill this? And he gave him my name. That's, that's, that's certainly taking a chance. And, and he only knew me for like 12 weeks. Um, but it turned out that, that he and I worked very well together and I, I learned a tremendous amount under him and, and Dan Bailey. So th- these are people I can go back and look at specifically in my career that, that changed the entire trajectory of where I was headed, where I was going, what's going on. And so I say that because we have to be intentional as people, as leaders, as, as you know, project managers, whatever, to make sure that we're often taking chances with people to, to stretch them to a point in which they can see the, the potential. Um, you know, I don't know. It, this isn't a brag on me. I'm just, all of these thoughts are rushing through my head. And um, when I ran the PMO at, at AmSouth Bank, we, we were on a floor that had like, you know, 12 other teams. There was a lot of people there. And there was just one person to me, and, and I'll say her name. I don't know if, Renee Heyer was her name, um, that just kept sticking out to me. Um, she seemed organized. She seemed great. Um, it, it was somebody I wanted. I wanted the energy on the team. And I must have asked her seven times to, to come over. And she finally, you know, put an application in and is now a, a consulting project manager. I think she's phenomenal, right? It was that one shot to give her to change the because she was doing something completely different in the bank to change the trajectory of her career um, and, and now is, is doing very well for herself. And and of course I have nothing to do with that at that point, but, um, but that, those are the things that, that come up in my head when people like Carly are talking and, in I'm um, hearing this. Now, the other thing I thought that was really significant that she was talking about, though, was the difference between leadership and managers and also, the fear of change right there 's a lot of fear of change, but here was something that, that she had said that I'd never really thought of in this way, and I thought it was fantastic. She said, you know however things are right at, at the current company, the current space, the way it's working, um, whatever the process may be, all of that stuff, however things are, somebody wanted it that way right in and, and, So now that somebody's wanted it that way and people now have complied to that way, it becomes status quo. But status quo has tremendous power uh, because people don't like to change. But I've heard that before and and I've said it before about resistance to change and all that stuff. I've never really made the connection that she made, which I I thought was phenomenal, um, about however things are, somebody wanted it that way. And so really, the difference between a manager and leader, she defines it as managers – uh, do things within the way things are. So they're, she goes, they're great people. They're necessary people. They're the people you want to have around. But, but they, they, they just manage within the way things are. They're not really looking to change or looking to, to do things. Leaders will, will change things for the better. And the way to do that is to, is to solve the problems to change the way things are. She said, change is like heaven. Everyone wants to go there, but nobody wants to die. <laughs> so I've heard, I thought that was a great quote. Um, you know, everybody wants, and that goes back to my want and will speech, right? Everybody wants to be successful, but, but will they have the tenacity to do so? Will they make the necessary change? Um, and I'm going to sidebar that because I, I think it's important that, you know, one of the big things – obviously I do on the show is probably overshare. Uh, but I, I've made fun of my weight for a long time. And, and I'm saying this on the air for accountability. Um, but I got a great chance uh, to to meet with with Mark McCullough today, who's somebody I, I tremendously look up to and, and consider a, a good friend and asked him to to hold me accountable to that goal so that I have somebody who's kind of pushing me. And so, again, I don't think I'll do anything of significance unless – I have somebody who's going to to want to walk that significance path with me. Um and it requires change. And so I want to lose weight. Am I willing to change habits, change behavior, change things, do things differently? Because if I just keep doing the same thing, I'm gonna get the same result. I've got to change something. Um and so that that's where I was going with that. But the last thing I'll I'll do uh, about Carly is I really liked, um, she's very vulnerable about criticism. Um, obviously, she came under a tremendous amount of criticism. And, you know, Carly also ran for the Republican nomination for president um, in this past election. And there was a tremendous amount of criticism that went her way. And she goes, you know, no matter what scale you're on, no matter what scale, no matter if you're leading two people or, or you're, you're running for, for president, no matter what scale you are, you will always be criticized by those people who want things to stay the way they are. They don't want change. And the difference is to is to know the difference between criticism, which is people who aren't willing to change and are just lashing out, versus feedback, which is, you know, maybe a tough conversation that somebody you care deeply about is giving you. Um, and, and to know, know the difference uh, between criticism and feedback. I thought that was pretty... Um, Uh, profound. So we're going to go ahead and take another break right here. We'll be back for the third segment. You're listening to Rick Morris on the work-life balance.
0: Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery?
2: And make everything you've got put you out in front.
0: Are you getting the most out of your project management software?
1: To business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: You are tuned in to the work life balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance.
1: And we're back for our third segment of the work-life balance this week. We're discussing uh, my takeaways from uh, Live to Lead, and in just, I mean, an incredibly powerful uh, event. It was it was four hours. Um, it was the fifth anniversary of us doing this, and, and just the lineup was was out of this park. We were, recapped already: uh, Tyler Perry, John Maxwell, and Carly Fiorina, uh, and now I want to get into Dan Pink, who, who kind of rocked my world. He, um, I love, 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 love people who just make you see something that's right in front of you, um, but it becomes this massive realization, and and that's kind of what happened, you know, to me today. So I'll walk you through, you know, kind of his stuff. First of all, um, we we believe his his premise is that we believe that timing is an art form that 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 having the right timing, knowing, you know, the right time, right place, all those things. He's, but, but it's actually a science. And if you understand the science behind it, then you can be more productive. You can, you can guarantee better productivity. Um, and, uh, I, I really found that. So I was like leaning in, I was like, let's, let's go. And, um, and so he was revealing a few facts and studies, um, which I think are pertinent to, to the discussion. So, he was doing things like, you know, um, an NBA team that is is down by one at halftime is more likely to win the game than the team that's up by one. And that, that's statistically proven if you look at it. And so you would think if we're leading at halftime, um, you know, a higher percentage who's leading at halftime should win the game. Um, and it's it's not true if you look through it. But I, I, when he started to talk about time and, and how that worked, um, he, he said something again that I've, I've never heard before. He goes, you know, a second, right? So if you're counting seconds, four, three, two, one, he goes, that's not a thing. We, we could, man made that up. We, we, we made that up. The, the, the three, we defined how long a second is in whoever like who's that guy like I want to know like who's the guys like I know how long a second is but still a, a, a week isn't a thing it we, we defined we could have said you know there's 30 seconds in a minute we could have said there's nine days in a week it's something that has been developed and accepted over time what is a thing is a day that is a true revolution around the sun and that is occurring so what we've done is taking Taken something like a day, right? That that is a regular occurrence that is a thing we are revolving or spinning, right? And as as we spin that, we came up with our own definitions of, of time periods. Um, but there's a hidden pattern within a day that makes all the difference in the world of, of what you're doing. And so uh, he started to go through several studies. One was a study where they they analyzed. Um, 500 million tweets through a text analyzer that can determine uh, emotion, whether it's positive, whether it's negative, that kind of stuff. And they, they took 500 million tweets and sketched them over a period uh, of of the day, right? So they, they lined them up as the control mechanism of a day to see are people in generally better moods uh, in the beginning of the day, the end of the day, that kind of stuff. And, and what they noticed was a pattern of, of basically... Uh, peak, trough, and then recover. So, you peak at some point, then you trough out at some point, right? You dip down, and then you recover, and you generally recover um, pretty high. Um, and so, that was the mood of the day. Um, what he was saying is that there's there's all these studies, but they're not talking to each other. So, he was kind of taking a look at all these different studies and finding the correlation between all of them. And so, I um, One other study that happened is they looked at uh, 26,000 earnings calls of companies, over 21 companies over three and a half years, and did pretty much the same thing. When was the earnings call? Was it more positive? Was it more negative? Was there, uh, you know, did, did, you know, and they started to look at patterns like, you know, if it was a bad earnings call, did they do it more in the afternoon versus a good earnings call is more in the morning? And, and that really didn't change the data. But what was consistent, again, was peak, trough, recover. Um, and one thing, and so he, he wanted to make sure that we get this, this message across very clearly. Um, so I will do the same uh, in homage to him, what he asked us to do. He said, do not schedule a surgery or any significant doctor's appointment in the afternoon. Um, and so again, statistically, they were looking at mistakes, they were looking at, you know, issues, that kind of stuff. So one of them was a hand washing chart. And he said, you know, it, it's a straight decline, they, they wash their hands way more in the morning than they do in the afternoon, because they become tired and groggy, that kind of stuff, which leads to additional issues. He said that four times, um, basically, mistakes were made during anesthesia four times more um, in the afternoon than in the morning. Um, he said, you know, so he, he's looking at all this research. He's looking at judicial and jury decisions and um, all this stuff. And, and so what he's developed and what this research is proving is that our cognitive abilities, right, they, 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 they don't uh, remain status quo or they, they don't remain static um, throughout the day. So, our cognitive abilities, essentially, will have a peak at some point. So, we'll rise up to a peak, we'll trough, and then we'll recover. And that's actually a science that you can start to understand. And so, as you go through this, you know, he, he was coming up with a couple of points out of it, right? One was, um, you know, the best time to perform a, a certain task depends on the task itself. Um, but that the daily fluctuations are a lot more extreme between the peak and the trough than, than you realize in terms of your cognitive abilities um, to, to do things. So you have peak, trough, recovery. Um, and so what he did with us, in, in these are all in his books, but he does like an analytical problem and an insight problem. Um, but he teaches you, and, and I I really make, you know, I want to make sure that you guys go read this, but he teaches you essentially that when, when you peak, you should be doing analytic functions, things that require logic, things that require, um, you know, heavy, heavy thought, right? When you trough, that's when you should be doing your administrative techniques, right? So, um, returning emails, filling out forms, you know, filing your paperwork, that kind of stuff. And when you're in recovery, that's when you have kind of insight and more creative juices, um, and so, he said, you know, once you figure out what type of, of person you are, and he's got a formula to do that, um, but he basically puts people into three categories, and you peak, trough, and, and recover a little bit differently. Um, so, for instance, you know, I did the test, and I came out uh, as what they call a lark, is what he said, right? I'm an early riser, uh, but I generally go to bed pretty early as well. That's the analytic, administrative, and, and insight and creative. The reverse of that is the night owl. Uh, and the night owl is, um, you know, they they do that in reverse. They're more creative in the morning than you do your administrative, and they can be analytic in the afternoon. Um, the point of all this is to know that it's a science. To know that's something you should be focusing on, and to learn how you know. And and he dovetailed this into one of John's uh, famous quotes, um, which we really liked. Um, but the secret to your, what John says is that the secret to your success is found in your daily agenda, right? Who are you meeting with? Why are you meeting? What's going on? But the secret to your success is found in your daily agenda. So learn how to set your daily agenda based on the science of how your brain works, that you're going to, you know, for me, again, being more analytic in the morning, being more creative in the afternoon. Uh, and it's just one of those aha moments that you're just like, wow, of course. But, but here's, here's he boiled it all down to, to this point, which, which is what really kind of made me think. He was saying, look, you know, all, this, all this stuff is great. He goes, but we seem to be intentional in our lives about everything. Who do we talk to? What are we going to talk to them about? Um, how are we going to talk to them? You know, how are we going to go about this task? What are we going to do with this task? right? What is it going to accomplish? The one thing that we don't seem to be intentional about is when we do that task. He goes, so basically, everybody's calendars is filled by one key thing, which is, do you have availability? Hey, I need some time on Tuesday. You're like, yeah, I'm available between one and four. What we ought to be doing, and as we really learn how to manage this, is to say, what type of meeting are you looking for? Right. And so if it's an analytical meeting, a, a big problem solving and we've got to do that kind of stuff, uh, then, then you know, we ought to say, yeah, I'm available in the mornings here. Right. And if it's more of a creative meeting, insightful meeting, it, it should be in, in the afternoon. And I tie all this back in to, again, in, in I've mentioned John quite a bit, but John will, will schedule time with me. And, and I actually have an open calendar. I just let people schedule time whenever they want to talk to me about whatever they want. Um, I find that if we're talking later in the afternoon, I've got far more ideas to rip off right right I'm uh, auditory thinker and I'm ripping, ripping off stuff if if we do that around lunchtime 11 or 12 o'clock i'm I'm tired I'm drained I'm not coming up with the ideas that that really uh, feel like I'm adding value to the process and and so as I as I was thinking through this and thinking through my calendar and like my mornings I, I come out on fire right I can I can do more in the first three hours of my day than I can do anywhere else. And, of course, because I'm peaking. Um, And then there's that, you know, trough that comes in where I kind of lose steam. And then I tend to be pretty good at night as well. I'll I'll, I'll get some creative juices. I've always got my iPad with me, so I'm writing stuff down and and taking notes and things I want to say. But most of those thoughts come to me at night. So I, I, I can tell you that it made a tremendous amount of sense to me, and hopefully it helps you guys as we share that. Um, we're going to take our final break right here, and we'll be right back with the Work Life Balance. You're listening to Rick Morris.
2: In today's hyper fast, super competitive business world, on time is now too late. On budget is now too expensive, and today's innovation is tomorrow's antique. Which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile. And there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies. A complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality. So you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback. Build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management, from CA. Winning in the application economy means executing a business strategy that gets the hottest products and apps out the door and into market faster than ever before. But what happens when hot is suddenly not? Can you instantly pivot and prioritize your plans and investment portfolio to react to the new reality and make sure your strategy is right on target? You will with CA Project and Portfolio Management, the proven solution that enables agile, effective decision-making across your entire investment portfolio. Unlike other tools, PPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered, planners are enabled, helpers are elevated, and customers are engaged, all while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CA PPM is the industry leader, with more than two million happy users worldwide, not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners. So why not give CA project and portfolio management a closer look and make everything you've got put you out in front? You'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: You are tuned in to the work life balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance.
1: And we're back to the final segment of the Work-Life Balance this Friday afternoon. We've been recapping my takeaways from Live to Lead. And uh, so, after um, Carly Fiorina came in, Deborah Surley tells a great story um, you know I'm I'm essentially just out of time, but I, I suggest that you look her up and, and look at what she accomplished the The lead into that, just to give you a teaser to, to why you should look up, look her up is um, she had decided to enter this this race across the Atlantic. It was a, a row rowing race they they manually row themselves across the Atlantic um, and um, her husband, uh, at the time, he was a, a, a rower for uh, Great Britain. He, so he did that professionally. She had never really rowed before, but had trained and, and, and learned how to do it. Well, two weeks into her journey, um, he finds out that her, that her husband has a, a crippling fear of the open ocean. And that's not something that they, they knew. They, they figured it out there, and he had to actually be rescued. Um And she had a decision to make. The whole, everything was built on two people being in the boat. And does she go ahead and tap out and get rescued? Or does she continue the journey and finish it for the both of them? And she decided to continue the journey and told that story. Very, very inspirational story. Something you should definitely look up and watch. Uh, then John came back out on stage to to, to close us out and, and kind of finished his, his leaderships discussion. Um, and uh, the, the the big takeaway that I got there, and I, I was actually searching for the quote here in, in the first segment. But, but the goal is, again, as we go from goals to growth, um, is that what you learn, and, and John says it so eloquently, is John says when, when he fell out of love with the destination – He fell in love with the journey, and goal-based thinking is about reaching a destination. It's about, you know, once I get this, once I do this, once I complete, I take this. So, uh, you know, a lot of my my listeners were, were project managers, and there's tons of certifications out there, and a lot of people will make the certification the goal. I want to go get this certification. Um, they accomplish it. There's, there's, you know, cheering and and excitement. And then that wanes. Um, And then I know a lot of people that have stopped right there. That's, that's where they stopped. But there's several people that will, you know, wait a year or two and they'll start thinking, you know, what's another certification I can go after. Um, And in the reason why, you know, I have so many certifications is because that's a journey for me. It's, That's learning marked by accomplishment, but I'm not done once I attain the certification. It's a constant journey to to learn more, know more, um, and and understand more. And so, you you don't fall in love with the destination of, ooh, I'm certified. You fall in love with the journey of becoming certified and, and understanding and marking the growth that you made as an individual as you went through the process. Um, but there should be, you know, another certification right after that, another sort of, if that's your thing, right? Your your destination could be, I want to finish this book. Well, once you finish the book, are you not going to read for two years? Or is it the fact that the journey is, is that you love reading the book? Um, A lot of people I know that are writing books right now, they're like, I can't wait to get the book done. Well, uh, that's great, but it's a journey. It's, it's continue to write, continue to grow, continue to push yourself out of the boundaries. Um, because that's really where, uh, success success is found. And to do that, you have to be able to, to embrace change, right? I mean, basically you're, you're not leaving something you're, you're going towards something, right? So that's embracing a change and, and understanding, um, you know, where you're headed, what's going on. Uh, but I think one of my favorite things that, that he said, and I've heard him say it before, he did it differently today. Um, but he talks about, um, you know, somebody's doing something for the first time. And then they put all this pressure in and saying, I got to do it right. It's got to be perfect. I got to be, and John says, relax, you're not going to be. Um, it's not going to be right because it, it it never really works the first time you do something. He goes, but there's a second time, a third time, a fourth time. He said, people ask him all the time about how did he become such a a, a great communicator? And he said, you know, I've done this 12,000 times. I've had 12,000 opportunities to stand in front of an audience and do what I do. He goes, so my first time, yeah, it wasn't any good. He goes, my 10th time. I wasn't really that good. He goes, but, if I'm not good by, by the 12,000th one, then, then I definitely picked the wrong career. Um, but, I, I, you know, again, hearing somebody uh, of stature like that talk about failure leading to the success is important because I know so many people, too, who said they were going to write a book, but they quit because it was hard or they didn't get it picked up or whatever that is. Um, it's learning how to push through that. But quitting is, is destination thinking, right? It's thinking of the end destination while pushing yourself through is the journey thinking. And so, you know, I I love these types of events. This is why I surround myself um, with, with people that I feel are better than me in, 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 are or people that I look up to because uh, what I essentially want to do is to, to have them help me rise to their level. Right, I'm never satisfied as the level I'm at, and I'm not trying to go after it from a success perspective. I'm trying to go after it from a significance perspective so that we can make more impact uh, to, to everyone around us. So, again, it was a phenomenal day. Um, if you're interested, uh, you can go to L2L. That's uh, live to lead, l2l.johnmaxwell.com, and they'll continue to update that for um, you know the Replay. So, if you find somebody in your city, and you look at l2l.johnmaxwell.com, and and you saw that somebody hosted it live, they have a license to be able to bring that into your organization, your company, and and imagine the impact of your uh, uh, of an entire division of a company hearing the same message at the same time. Um, I, I in in at the end of the day, it's truly inexpensive versus the the ROI that could come from that. So. Um, I would suggest everybody try to go find that uh, if at all possible. Um, As always, you guys can hit me up on Twitter. It's at Rick A. Morris. You can find me at rick at rickamorris.com or you can uh, email me as well at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. I look forward to hearing feedback from the show. I look forward to to, uh, talking with you guys. I love it when you guys reach out. Uh, I get a tremendous amount of ideas. And if you know of anybody that – You would love to hear on the show. Please reach out. We'd love to uh, be able to talk to them. Um, Next week, we are going to try to do the show, um, but I am headed to uh, what what I consider kind of a Mecca for me, which is uh, I'm going to go watch Tennessee get killed by Alabama in a football game. Uh, But that is my uh, annual birthday trip for birthday week. So um, hopefully uh, you'll be with us next Friday. Hopefully I'm with you next Friday. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Otherwise, we've got a tremendous lineup coming up, though. So um, as we get into October and November, um, we've got uh, Laura Jai that's going to be on the show. Um, We've got uh, uh, Barbara Gustafson's going to be on the show. We've got a tremendous lineup of people that are coming. So we love your support. We thank you for it. We'll continue to update you um, on the Mickey Mouse Club uh, reunion as that project unfolds. And, uh, of course, anything else you guys want to know, just hit me up. Other than that, please stay tuned right here to Voice America for the next show. It's going to be phenomenal. We know it. And we will talk to you guys next Friday.